Let me just think where I'm going to start. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to be in your homes today. It's so exciting to be here. I just wanted to share something with you that um, God has been speaking to me about. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been trying to bring people back into our workplace who have been working from home for quite a while. And it's quite a mental shift for people to come back into work when they've been uh, so relaxed at home in their active wear and uh, <laughs> with their children and being able to do the washing when they want to and um, being home as soon as they finish work. So it's quite a shift to come back into work. And as I was thinking about that, it was about gathering our people back into the workplace. And as I was praying into that and how we could best do that for our people to help them emotionally re reconnect with our workplace, I thought about Redemption Hills Church and what that word gather means to us. And so I started to pray into that and God gave me two verses. And I think the first one, I think God's got a great sense of humour. The first verse was from Ecclesiastes um, chapter, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. I shall put my glasses on. <laughs> and the verse says, A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And I just think that was funny because in this COVID-19 times, of course, we are not allowed to embrace. And anyone who goes to Redemption Hills Church would know that we are a very huggy church. So, um, but the, the casting out of the stones is really what has happened to us as a church, that we've been spread all over the city again. But this verse is saying, let's gather those stones back together. Let's embrace one another. Let's come back. And the second verse he gave me was in Joel. And uh, this was probably a little more relevant, but it's um, chapter 2 and verse 16. And it says, gather the people. I love that. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom come out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. People, it's time to gather again. It's not long before the restrictions will lift and we can once again meet together. But it will be a shift for us all. You need to get your bottoms off the couch and get them into church and gather with us and embrace what we have as a church, which is to come together and celebrate Jesus. I hope you have a great week and I can't wait to see you all again and uh, bless you all. Well, that was a wonderful time of worship this morning. And as I listened to uh, the words that came and just uh, the prayers also, I decided I might just start a little bit differently from what I had prepared. You know, during this time of the COVID, that song Waymaker has become really important to so many people. I heard someone quoting the words of it the other day. And it says, Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness, that is who you are. You are here rearranging destinies, turning lives around, working miracles, touching hearts. And just as uh, the presence of God was here in the worship this morning, it reminded me that we can really practice the presence of God in our own homes. And during the week, um, I wanted to listen to that song, so I just started to play it on YouTube, and I went from version to version, and then it, it just landed on one that went for 20 minutes. And there's something about the presence of God that comes during worship, even in your own home. 
I hope that you've had the opportunity to practice that during this time because there's, there is really something about the presence of God in your home. And then we talked about children and families and it, it, um, it really just reminded me that the most important thing that um, Barbara and I did ever as parents was to have a regular time of opening the Word of God with our children and to pray with them and also to pray with each other and to pray for them. It's something we should continue to do now. We pray for our children, not always together. But it just reminded me about practising the presence of God in our homes. And as we pray for marriages, one of the best ways that you can build an effective God-living marriage is to pray together. And I just wanted to share that this morning. Uh, because this is a great time to spend a lot of time at home. And um, we're just so blessed with technology. You can just put on uh, praise and worship and it will absolutely change the presence of God in your homes. I promise you that. It does. I've seen it time and time again. Um, so sometimes turn off the noise and the Netflix or whatever it is. Um, there's plenty of that always. But practicing the presence of God at home, it's a precious time to do that. And I wanted to talk about this period this morning that uh, we've been experiencing for over three months. So Bob's word was very apt and you know how God works through that. And, and I, also, uh, I almost uh, wanted to actually share that blessing this morning that I came along and um, the worship team were playing it. And so that was marvellous because one of the things I think we've all been impacted upon is uh, the versions of that song, even the, uh, one of my favourites is the Blessing UK, when they have all the churches represented singing that song together. And it touches my heart. And it just encourages me about um, the fellowship of all believers. And that sometimes we lose sight of that. We pray about, a lot, about that a lot as a church. Um, but that is just a great demonstration of it. And so... Just love to watch that, listen to that, see all the various churches um, just joining together and worshipping our Lord and Saviour. But what journey have we been on over these last three months it's been? And so, as I was, um, many of you would know, I'm the CEO of City Mission, and during one of our prayer times, my people and culture manager, just three weeks ago, brought a message. And as she started to share these thoughts, I just knew in my spirit it was prophetic, perhaps for me only. But I'm trusting God this morning that it's also going to help some others. And I just wanted to focus for a short time on some of the prophetic lessons that we learned from that period of time when the Israelites were in exile. And she recalled how she'd been hearing this old song in her head, Rivers of Babylon by Boney M, actually, which is a band from the late 70s. And it was going round and round in her head. And we were going to sing it this morning, but Tim said he couldn't find the charts, which is quite unusual. But it's, it's quite difficult to sing, apparently, so we're going to keep that for another time. But you'll remember it by the rivers of Babylon. It's on YouTube. And so if you want to, um, just after the worship, put that on, um, or after the message this morning, put that on, feel free. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. 
When the wicked carried us away in captivity, required from us a song, now how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? As I said, it was released at the end of 1978. It was a strange song to be a hit. And not everyone would know that it comes from a poem, um, a song found in the Bible in the Psalms, Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem. Who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation? O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. And then that most difficult verse in the Bible, happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. The psalm is the psalm of lament. And it was written about 590 years before Jesus Christ and expressed the pain and grief felt by the Israelites who had been taken into captivity in Babylon by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Now during this time, the majority of the Israelites were carried away from their home, their land and their temple. Everything that was important to them and even sacred to them was lost. Their experience was traumatic. We have been for over two months now in a type of exile. Some are the remnant arrayed here this morning who still come here to worship and listen to the music, uh, the message and the music. What can we learn from the time of exile? It's okay to lament. The psalm is really an expression of the yearning for Jerusalem in the heart of the Jewish people. For each of us, this has probably been a difficult time. There's no point in denying that. And I was reminded of that just a couple of weeks ago when Russ finished one of his sermons and I, I, I just had um, uh, this sense he was missing, missing church and missing people. He's actually said that. But I just sensed it. In one line he said, oh, he's missing it. And I thought about his whole life and you know, um, being so invested in starting churches and ministering to other people. Um, in a sense, I've been very blessed during this time because the city mission has continued on. Uh, I've gone to work every day and not a lot has changed uh, uh, for me. It did change for a lot of our workers, which I lament. But um, for me, it's been um, not as different and not as difficult. And so it has been a difficult time for many. The Israelites also learned to settle down. They built houses and families. They engaged in productive work, even agricultural work. And they were, you know, so that they might increase in number and not decrease. And my daughter, Melinda, told me this week that's called homesteading. Uh, popular before COVID and now all the rage. Uh, people relocating to some space so they can grow things. People even trying to work out how they can grow things at home. Maybe it's temporary, but we can't pretend it's not happening. Life is different. It won't last 70 years, 
but we have had to adjust to this new normal for a time. As Barb said, some workers have, who retained their jobs said that uh, they really disliked the first two weeks of exile and home. Now we find after eight weeks, they're not sure they want it to end. And, you know, with all due respect, many were impacted during that period, but for those that have continued on and have worked from home, now the challenge has been to encourage them to come back and resume, at least in part, the life they had before. The Israelites also returned to prayer. God is reachable by prayer, whether you're in Babylon, just as he was in Judea for them. And we need to pray specifically for peace and prosperity in the place that God has relocated us to. It's been a special time for me just to have a far more regular time with God. Just set that time aside because the rhythm of my life changed. And so I just uh, brought in a regular time with him and opening his word first thing of the day now and spending time in prayer. The other thing was be careful what advice you take during this time. The Israelites had to disregard the voices and visions of false prophets who were counselling them to act contrary to, those, to the instructions they had from the Lord. Some chose to rebel against authority and even in these days some call it have uh, called it the end times, uh, talk of the vaccine containing the mark of the beast, etc. And it goes on. But I want to encourage you to plan for the future when this will be over. And the word of God stands glorious and true and able to provide you with unlimited wisdom and truth. Get ready for the next stage in this period. God wanted to do a work in his people. Israel, after the exile, was a very different place. God has a plan. God has his plan on Redemption Hills Church and his hand on you. And things may be different. Things may be different, but on Christ the solid rock we stand. He's still firm and secure, loving and just, holy, yet willing to extend grace to each one of us. They learned again to trust God. Through the book of Jeremiah, God especially wants to restore the courage and morale of the exiles. He challenges them to trust in him and his promises. There will be a restoration. There will be a restoration. God said there would be. Yes, we look to our political leaders and we look to the leaders in our churches to lead us at this time. But most Importantly, we individually need to put our trust in God and leave it there. You see, there was a horror that brought the Israelites into exile. 18 months of siege of Jerusalem. They experienced starvation. There was even cannibalism. Then murder and destruction. And it was actually the lucky ones that went into captivity. And in that scenario, Jeremiah writes these words. In Jeremiah 29, 4 to 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, 
Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters so that you may increase and not diminish. Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. And then this uh, verse that we, these verses that we, we hear so often actually are in the context of the Israelites coming out of ex- exile. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to a place from which I cause you to be carried, I cause you to be carried away captive. Exile lasted for 70 years. But it wasn't so bad. They were given some freedom and opportunity. As a people, they were enterprising. And, was, and this was valued by their captors. And they did learn a lot in captivity. And the nation was never the same again. And I guess that's the challenge for us now. In our current exile, what are we learning? So some final lessons. The Jewish people never again turn to idols or worships of, uh, worship of images. What have we idolised? What have I idolised that I'm now cut off from that I will not return to? What practices have we had as individuals or perhaps even as a gathering entertained that we realise now can be cut out because they are detrimental? But personally, this verse has been important for me from John 8, 34 to 40. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And I just wanted to say this morning that if you're still bound, you can be free. That is his promise of salvation. And my just great hope and vision is that, that as we come back together as a fellowship that we'll come back free from sin walking in footsteps his footsteps just enabling the spirit of God to flow through us with all the power and the freedom that comes through that may this be a time where you've set yourself to your Lord so he can do all that work through you. They realised just how jealous God is. In what other ways, I learned, have I put others, other things before God? 
that I've realised in this time. As a people, have we put things ahead of God? Do we rely more on our own understanding and what God has taught us in past experiences than what we do, than what we do and, and what he is saying right now? Proverbs 3, five says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And finally, they preserved and developed. Scripture was given its rightful place during this time. Its value was never lost again. Scripture was written again during this time. And the synagogue system that the Jewish people still have today was developed. And um, I just want to encourage you too, if you haven't listened to week 10 from our relational theology series, just have a listen to that about the church and gathering together and, and what it means. That would be just a tremendous preparation for you as we gather back together in these coming weeks. What have we recognised that we need to value more highly? In what ways has this time created something lasting for us? What practices do we need to place more value in? And new things, and what new things have we developed as a fellowship and as a church that we can carry forward? The exile was a punishment for the people of Israel. It was hard and it was harsh, but God never changes. His promise to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future are fulfilled in Jesus. You know, one of my um, prayers is that from this time, as I've said already, uh, said already, that we'll be challenged to a deeper commitment to God's kingdom and righteousness. The thought of Jerusalem in ruins brought the Jews to tears. They didn't have it all that bad in Babylon. They easily could have been assimilated into that way of life. But they had an intense longing for God's city and God's worship. They would not settle for anything less. In Proverbs 11.10 it said, When it goes well with the righteous, the city prospers. And again, my just tremendous hope and the vision I see is that as we are people of God and as a church at Redemption Hills and we regularly play for all the churches as we all go well as it, we prosper in our spirits the city will rejoice because it will be transformed in the name of Jesus by what's come within us. And as our spirit prospers, we'll impact so many for his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the lessons that we learned from just looking at the children of Israel in their exile just have a relevance to the things that we've experienced during this hopefully once-in-a-lifetime experience. Lord, may we spend these final weeks apart seeking you daily, praying within the home, practising the presence of God, praying with our children, praying for our children, praying for our loved ones, 
praying for the other Christians and cities in the uh, churches in the city and praying for our city that we'd be transformed as a people and be a transforming influence for you as we lift up your name in this place. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.